Hey there, Freedom Fighters. My name is Andrew Warner. I'm the founder of Mixergy, where I interview entrepreneurs about how they built their businesses. And many of you probably are, by the time this interview is done, going to get a Slack alert on your phones and on your computers and on whatever, and it's going to distract you. And I have to say, that's why I got rid of it at my company. It's too freaking distracting to have chat going on all the time. I think if you're running a company, I think if you're running your life, what you want to have is conversations that are structured around something that matters and not just endless messages going off. Anyway, this is something I've said over the years here on Mixergy. Joining me is an entrepreneur who had a similar uh, understanding, and he did something incredible about it. His name is Max Nalski. He was running this company that in parts of the world, you probably know, it's Ico. They, um, it's what? It's like the cash register of most places. Am I right, Max? Hi, everybody. No, actually, it's more than that. It's an ERP system, the whole ERP for, for restaurant energy, for hospitality industry. So it's point of sale, combined inventory management, combined time management for employees, and combined finance management, and all this online ordering. So it's ERP. It's one-stop system that if you run a store, you need just one software instead of multiple. But if I, go to a, if I go to a store in, in parts of the Middle East, parts of Russia, they will have it there on the counter. Am I right? Yeah, and also in many more countries like uh, United Kingdom. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, the cash register is just part of it. The point of sale is, is one module of the system. But the whole idea is that when you have a transaction in the cash register, uh, it hits your P&L. And some manager of a chain of stores can, can see the P&L in real time because they have the brand mm. new cost and stuff. This is, this, is, this is what's different about ICO. So in 2005, he created ICO. And then as he was working with his team, he said, we need a better way to keep track of what we're doing together. The task management software that exists right now is not organized well enough. The chat apps that are, are out there are not helping. Let's create something. And so 2010, he created Pyrus. It is software that enables you to manage task delegation, real-time messaging, and approval of workflows for modern uh, for modern teams. I'm reading, obviously, from your website. Let me just say it in my own words. Here's what I think is amazing about Pyrus. Number one, task management, completely free. Max has realized, hey, look, task, ma task management is not something that uh, is worth charging for because there are a lot of alternatives. But what makes Pyrus really amazing is the automation that happens within it. With most task management software, you have to set a set of tasks. And then when somebody finishes a task, they assign the next tasks to the next person on the team. With most task management software, if someone, say, pays a bill, your assistant would have to go and mark that task as done so that the next step gets assigned and somebody does something uh, to follow up on the person who paid a bill. With Pyrus, the whole thing is automated. Step by step, even if you're using external software, that's what makes Pyrus special. I invited Max here to talk about how he did it, why he launched Pyrus, how it grew, how he got customers, what it means to walk into restaurants in different parts of the world and have his brand right there, front and center. And we'll also talk about his interesting hobby. And I could do it thanks to two phenomenal sponsors. The first, if you're hosting a website, if you've got a business, you need a good hosting company, right? Well, I'm going to urge you to go check out hostgator.com slash Mixergy. And the second, if you're paying people, I'm going to rem remove, relieve you of so much agita by telling you to go to rippling.com slash Mixergy. But Max, I'm going to talk about those later. First thing, good to have you here. Thank you very much. Good to have you too. Pyrus, um, how much revenue are you guys doing at Pyrus? Well, we're in the millions of dollars, but I'm, gonna, I'm not going to disclose more than that because uh, those are, this is a private company. Over ten million? Can we say that, or do you feel comp not? You don't even want to say no, that. Below ten million dollars. Oh, below ten million dollars, profitable. Profitable. Um, 
I want to ask you a lot about business here, but first you were um, a software developer in Boston, Massachusetts, and a conversation led you to this interesting hobby. What was the conversation? What happened? Well, actually we had a group of people that uh, were engineering team, basically working on a project and uh, the head of our team uh, flew to his grandmother every weekend to Philadelphia somewhere. And uh, I thought to myself, hey, well, if you're a good engineer, that you could probably one day, uh, you know, have a have your own plane, fly places. And that's what turned out uh, to be my hobby. So I got my private pilot license years later. Obviously, I had some enough time, enough budget to do that. And uh, now I am private pilot with over 650 hours of flying experience. And uh, last Monday, we flew to, it was a short vacation trip. We flew with my friend over Grand Canyon. And uh, honestly, my friend tells me that aviation is a kind of fourth dimension I've encountered. So just when, you know, when you really need to detach, what I do is I take my plane and fly somewhere, somewhere new. And when you're up there, you're focused on your plane. You're responsible for the lives of the people on board. You're the yeah. captain, right? There's nobody else. Yeah. This, is, this is something that really you can't think of any business. You can't think of any, you know, current stressful things. You're really out there. And uh, I practice this several times a year, and that was that's what's really you know one of my biggest hobbies. I say, <laughs> well, the biggest one, honestly. You know what? I had a friend who who did it, and he took us up in his plane. He said, "Hey, do you want to go by the Golden Gate Bridge?" I said, "You could just do that. You could just say I want to go and go." He goes, "Yeah." So we go up by the Golden Gate Bridge. It was beautiful. And then he said, "How about we go to to lunch?" And I thought, okay, interesting. I guess we're landing and going to lunch. No, he goes Napa has a great place. He lands at this airport in Napa. I guess because gas costs so much, they they bring him this really nice car. He gets to drive us in this really nice car to to a restaurant. We sit down, we eat, and then he flies us right back home. It was such a killer experience. That's what it's like, huh? Oh, oh yeah. It's it's called crew car, and usually there are many airports back there that really, if you buy certain fuel, they give you a crew car for free for a couple hours, and you drive somewhere to have a lunch. And sometimes you have you even have a lunch in the airport, but the coolest experience to fly somewhere, to give you a car, they go some, you go somewhere. This is, I mean, it's, it's typical. It's not typical to the Silicon Valley. It's actually all around the country. What's the most exciting place and, that you've flown to? Oh my God, there's so many. I mean, flying over Rockies was nice. Uh, Jackson Hole Airport, Wyoming was great. Mm. Grand Canyon, you can't imagine how does it look. I mean, you can't imagine how does it look like when you're on the rim, but it's even 100 times better right. when you're in the air. This is Powell Lake, you know, up there. Those are beautiful places, just beautiful. And you know what? I tell you what. Yeah. Uh, you are now probably on Marcos uh, Big Sur, but the previous one was Catalina. Catalina Island is must go in California. You haven't seen California if you haven't been to Catalina Island in California. This is so much. I mean, it's it's incredible. And are you landing on Catalina Island, or are you oh, just yeah, flying no. over? You can land on there. No, there is an airport there. Yeah. Wow. Bring corps. Yeah, U.S. Air Force built this airport, used it for training, but now it's generally aviation airport. It's close sunrise to sunset. You can land mm -hmm. there, have your lunch there, or have a car go to town and, you know, do some other stuff. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about how you got here. Um, is the first big success that you had as an entrepreneur, and we'll talk about Pyrus in a moment, but was the first big one ICO? Uh, yeah, we started this one earlier, and it's uh, it's been sold to over 50,000 restaurant stores in 44 countries right now. So, I mean, it could be considered uh, a success, but honestly, we go to after 1 million restaurants, so the company is growing, and we're on track. And even last last year, even with COVID, we still were able to grow 19%, which is which is great, because honestly, the restaurant industry was, was you know, Why were dying. you guys able to grow during COVID? Well, because... Um, 
in some countries in the world in the summer there was a huge you know uh, uh, like huge boost because okay. the, the spring the spring was the, this is the first thing and second thing the delivery I mean people continue eating out I mean oh, sorry not eating out but ordering things so people continue eating not what they cooked <laughs> meaning that uh, so even if they're not sitting inside at a restaurant or even outside at a restaurant the they're ordering food and the delivery company is bringing it but it and, has to get registered in some system and it's ICO that's doing it yeah, of course. For example, you need to calculate your costs. Some software should calculate your costs, whether you're bring you're mm. you know, building this food is it profitable or not, and calculate all this stuff. So yeah, ICO is an ERP for restaurants. So this is a single system where every order comes into, no matter if it's delivery order or it's order or it's inside the restaurant or it's takeout. So yeah. How'd you get the idea for ICO? Oh, actually, that was my friend's idea and my partner. We're, we're still partners in this company, and uh, we're two co-founders. So we met. My classmate uh, actually <laughs> brought us together, and that was his idea, actually. And I thought to myself, hey, the guy's really, you know, he knows what he's talking about. And uh, uh, I was a software guy. He was also from the tech industry, but he ran the restaurant. He ran the actual restaurant for a year. He had a restaurant he himself. Me, he had. He yeah. Did, he had. Yeah, he had. And he tried a couple other softwares. And I was like, oh, yeah, there is something in it because he tried a couple of softwares that didn't work out mm -hmm. as well as we could. And we and we coined this together. We coined this vision for the new software. We started investing our own money, then invest, then it tried, attracted a couple of venture funds. So, yeah, that's how it went going. What was but the problem? Pirates, what was uh, yeah. what was the problem that you saw with other um, with that with that software? Uh, with restaurants, oh, it's very simple. In every restaurant, you have a point of sale, basically mm -hmm. where you track your revenue, and inventory system where you track your costs. And those are two systems. They're not connected. So it leads to all kinds of problems, even the one, I tell you what, you, you may not deliver, but I tell you, when you take the file out of your revenue system and you move it to your um, backend system, to your inventory system, you can change this file or your manager can change this file so that the the backend system basically it's a fraud the backend system don't, doesn't see the whole revenue this this is all this was all kinds of problems we had back in 2005 when we started the system it's it, again it's just one of them i'm not telling that everybody's fraudulent out there okay yeah yeah but but you're saying look yeah. the person who's taking the information i call it the cash register but i'm oversimplifying it right the thing that keeps yeah, track of uh, i i see your your face every time i call it the cash register it's like andrew this is not kindergarten but okay i'm i'm basically simplifying it you're saying the person who's in charge of the cash register can change the file that they're sending back into inventory to um maybe hide the fact that they've hit, that they've taken some stakes out of the company yeah, this this is yes, exactly. Oh, better alcohol because it's really easier uh, to you know right. to substitute al alcohol selling over the counter with your own that you brought from the shop. Yeah, it's just one of the problems that that freaked out certain restaurant owners and others. Just delaying data, like you don't have, you don't see your revenue, you don't see your and you know what? When you have real time inventory, like when you sell an item, the the cost is really applied. Then you can have real time inventory, so you can really predict what's missing. So, for example, if your limes or lemons are missing, that half of your bar is you know it's in, it's in the stop list you obviously don't want to do that in the friday or saturday night in the club right ah. so you have so wait wait wait, wait. To, ico I, can actually tell a restaurant you have 20 limes you just sold i don't know 40 drinks you're going to run out of limes in the next day you should buy got it oh oh i see all, the beauty all of because, that all because all because ico is real time 
I mean, any system can do that, but you don't want to predict on Lyme's uh, sh- shortage on Friday, happening on Friday, if there is already Saturday, Sunday. Right. <laughs> you don't want to. Okay. All right. So now you're working. You told me before we got started, you're super hands-on. The team comes back to you with an internal release. You don't even remember which one it was. And you were trying to figure something out. What was it that you were trying to figure out? Yeah, true. I'm very hands-on and I'm trying to polish the software, the user experience. And usually when the team comes to me with a release, I have 20 to 30 items that I'd like them to fix. Could be as simple as type or could be as, as, as big as some, you know, feature, some feature re- rework. And I just re- responded with an email with all those items and it was really hard to keep track on them because those went to different people and it's either me who would have to go to into the ticketing system into Android's some bug tracking system or ticketing system. And honestly, that's pain in the ass because those tracking systems, I mean, they are they are good for development teams, they're good for engineers, and they're good for me. I'm a techie person. But for an average person, they're just too complex. So, um, and uh, even if somebody's... What were you trying to figure out? You were trying to say... What is it that what bugs did they saw did they did they squash? What features did they add? And you couldn't even see that as you were going through? That seems like pretty basic stuff. Yeah, no, it's no, you can. But honestly, when you do a review and you release and you see those, you know, those 20 to 30 items that you would like to be fixed, we're very fast. Like it's so we were so agile back then when the board was not even the you know in fashion. <laughs> so so um Again, I could put all those uh, bugs and all those issues in the bug tracking system, but this is just complex. It's it, it takes time and the user interface. I mean, those forms you have in order to post a bug, you have to fill out a form with ten fields. If you don't like to fill out a form with ten fields, then you have to customize this form to cut out fields. So it's all like work about work. And we need something simple, something yeah. that you know every line, every line in this. Again, those issues are just one-line items, usually one-line one line issues. When it's something simple, you could just start 30 parallel tasks, and one of them could be just close to the next. You know, the next natural step to do is to just work on them and close them. Or sometimes there are conversations that involve multiple people. You know, as they evolve, we, we bring more people, we bring designers, we bring something. So these are conversations we bring certain uh, designers can come up with a certain version of the design. There's an attachment, there's a second attachment, third attachment. So in the beginning, you can't really know which becomes what. So um, so we thought, I thought to myself, that there should be a better way to just, you know, what's the shortest amount of time I could, as a CEO or a product manager, to, um, uh, to take to enter those into some system that could be, you know, in this kind of scenario where some of them are very simple and some of them are more complex than that, could be uh, super easy to enter and super easy to work, so people don't really get confused with a lot of interfaces. Okay, so um, this was this was 2010 when you launched. Asana launched a couple of years before. Um, Jira launched a few months before, I think. So we're basically in the early days of this new form of task management software, right? Before all the software that we now know that we now know existed, right? Okay. Boy, you just gave yeah, me this yeah. look no, like as I was talking about your competitors. No, no, no. no, no. no honestly, Jira yeah. launched about 2005. No, we actually launched in beta in 2010. We didn't have a public launch before 2014. And between 2010 and 2014, we have a much of a, a, beta, a lot of beta customers okay. that brought us some revenue initially. Even the Pyrus brand was not there. It was a totally different name for the product. The Pyrus came out in 2014. Okay. Before we get into that then, why did you say... I'm willing to, you had a 
full-time gig. You had a business that was growing. It made sense. It was going to, it had huge potential, right? With Ico. Why did you say I'm going to take even a little bit of my eye off that ball and go start this new business? Oh, it's a good one. Uh, honestly, because my need for this product was so desperate that I couldn't resist start building it. And you know what? What I started doing, I started as a separate side project. I put an outsourcing development teams, not from my company, yep. just to build this thing because my initial vision was like, okay, this is an experiment. I'm not I'm not sure where it's going. So let's start an experiment with an external team without you know just distracting our, our country sources. And once we started using it, I at one point I remember myself, I realized like, hey, even if it doesn't go into a profitable business, I still keep it because this is the best experience of running teams and projects. So, but honest turn turn out it's gonna it became a profitable business, which I really like. I like this fact. But honestly, at some point of time when it was not that, it was so better than others, it was so natural to use the user experience. So I, I realized that I, I just couldn't drop it. And how much money would you say you spent in order to get it to that point? Uh, um, well, currently we invest, I invest into Paris, I would say several millions of dollars. What about in that early point when you were just investing in it as a side gig before you said, thousands, I love it. Yeah. Thousands. T tens of thousands. Tens of thousands. Yeah. Under a hundred thousand dollars. Maybe a hundred thousand, around a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. And so this was just you saying, I know I need this. Maybe other people do, but I, I just have to see this through. It was that kind of a thing. The world yeah. needs, I need this. I think other people need it too. I don't know where it's going, but I'm willing to spend money because I need this in the world. That's what it was. Okay. Exactly. How did you get other users in the early beta days, the very early days to try this out with you? I was telling all my friends about it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And that's it. I mean, we, 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 we launched our, our beta version. We put our website out there, the name page and the people were flocking in. And uh, we had our mobile apps initially too. And that was a big part of the business, by the way, having great mobile app with a great offline mobile experience that doesn't break when you just, you know, travel in a car and connectivity is getting, you know, your, your phone gets disconnected from well, one cell tower and connects to the second cell tower. This this is the moment you lose your connectivity. Dude, Max, you to I got to tell you, I signed up for Notion because everyone's talking about Notion. I said, I'm, I got this call that I had with someone. I said, I'm going to put it into Notion. I get it into Notion. This guy has a place. He says, Andrew, do you want to come over to my place? We'll continue to talk about this, this idea. I say, sure, I'll be there tomorrow. I drive over to his place. I say, let me go through all my notes. So I remember the little things he told me about his kids and so on. There's no connectivity. He lives in like the Sonoma area. There's no phone service. I got none of these notes in my phone. I can't believe with 2021, there's still software that doesn't work if there's no internet connection. It was so frustrating. So this is why we became, when we when we launched our mobile first apps, then we that was the the first thing we had is an offline experience. It just, I mean, for busy guys, even 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 just let's say New York City, sometimes you get it into the lift, into the escalator uh, or elevator, sorry, elevator, and there could be no connectivity just because the fact doors are closing and there's a metallic steel part. Right. You don't have connectivity. When you're in the elevator, God, you have your 30 seconds to do some, to make a couple of decisions, right? To approve something. Right. And you have no connectivity. What's the problem? So okay. this is why, yeah. So freaking frustrating. Okay, so you put it up. The reason that you were able to get beta users is you obviously have friends in the space. I was looking at your at your profile. Even as far back as 1997, you were uh, 
you were coding, right? You were developmental development yeah. lead at a company engineer. called PTC. You're an engineer. So you have all these friends. But beyond that, from what I understand, you've got a rep in in Eastern Europe. Am I right? Yes. How? How are you so famous? Is it the flying? Is it is it that you're and you're not super outspoken as far as I could tell. I don't see a lot of articles about you online. Uh, yeah, it's uh, that's probably because we just built this. This Ico business was pretty much successful, and uh, we are number one restaurant in a in a number of countries. Honestly, so this is probably what uh, what was. Uh, uh, it's because of Ico. It's it's Ico is an infrastructure company, but at uh right fair to say at a at a. Uh, sorry, but your clients are so prominent. People go into restaurants, they see your logo. Is that what it is? That's what got you your your reputation. Well, yeah, and uh, I, again, I can't speak for my reputation myself. Probably it's a question for people to the, to the people that surround me about my reputation, though. Uh, though I was just trying to build the great products, and honestly, with this restaurant company that you mentioned, thank you so much. I. What I'm especially proud of when my mom flies in and I meet her at the airport, I then I just I can go to any kiosk down there and and they, almost half of them or even more than half of them there is our logo and this is something you know we can be both proud of and she can be proud of me, so this is this is something that I really I just love building great things and uh, that's that's. Ico wasn't the first one. As I was researching you, I saw that you had an exit with a company called Globite. Am I right? Yeah, exactly. That was a very natural trend in in the end of the nineties and to and the uh, uh, first decade of two thousands. That that's now that was an outsourcing company, and we, we basically did and we uh, took some uh, U.S. companies, and uh, that was an outsourcing job. So it was a, we hired developers and sold their time, and that was that was great. I sold it. I can't complain. But to me, building a product is a very very different experience. It's not just you build what they pay you for. It's not just selling time. Even if it's time of hundreds of thousands of developers, I, I understand it's a totally viable business. I really respect many people. There are public companies like that. But to me, building a product is much more of a challenge because it's, it's more risk. You build something that you're really not sure people will buy. And uh, you have to be like, even in the internet age right now, even more, you have to be like 10x or 100x better than, than the competition out there. And this this, chal- this this challenge which really drives me in. All right, let me take a moment to talk about my first sponsor and then we'll get back into the story and understand what the feedback came, uh, what was the feedback from the people who were on the beta list. My first sponsor is a company called HostGator. What they do, Max, is they host basic websites in fact, not just basic, they host any number of sites, but I think that the WordPress hosting is what people who are listening to me are probably going to be drawn to. Easy WordPress hosting, inexpensive. Let me ask you this, Max. If you were starting today, your Max, let's say you're 19 years old, you've got no money, none of this reputation, nobody knows who Max is. And Andrew walks up to you and says, Max, you got to start from scratch. All you have is a HostGator hosting package. You host your own website. You don't have to pay. I'm going to pay for it because just a couple of bucks a month. What's the first thing that you launch on it? What's a good idea that today you would launch if you are in your late teens starting a business with nothing but a hosting package? Oh, um, my God. Uh, I think that uh, this is so, the world is so different right now. (laughs) I was 19, but uh, I would start an online shop. An online store selling what? What would you sell? I don't know some some 
stuff that teenagers has crush on. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I would, you know, what's interesting. I think that, uh, first of all, online stores, absolutely. If you're listening to me, you go to host, you go to HostGator, you can install WordPress and then WooCommerce and you're starting to sell immediately. Um, literally within, within an hour, you're up and running and you own your store and you could take it with you. The thing that I think would might be uh, a twist that I would put on this max considering, um, where the world is, if you can help people connect with like higher, right? The way that you did, that feels like a high value item. You don't have to ship anything. It's a like, imagine if you had access to developers, even if it was you and five developers or growth hackers, put up a website, say we're selling these services and people get to pay you by the hour, but you start to promote yourself with some interesting content. You start to reach out to people and do your sales directly. What do you think of that, Max? Would you have been able, would you be able to pull, would you have been able to pull that off in your late teens? Access oh, to developers, maybe like hire a teenage developer. No, hire a teenage. No, hire a new developer. No, that's well, not great. That's you. not great. That's not a great idea. I like your idea better. Listen to me, people. Don't take my idea. Take Max's idea. Find something to sell online. Online shopping has exploded. And if you want to do it in a way that allows you to own your own store, take it with you in case you're not happy with HostGator or just keep growing it. If you are happy with HostGator, here's what you have to do. Go to HostGator.com slash Mixergy. And when you do, they're going to give you the lowest possible price. You'll also get tagged as a Mixergy customer, which means we'll have your back and you'll be able to keep building your business. HostGator. Great price, great service, long-term relationship. I use them. Hostgator.com slash Mixergy. All right. The initial feedback that came back from your friends, from the people who were originally using Pyrus was what? Uh, some of them just started using Pyrus. Some of them didn't. Some of them started using them. What's the stuff and that you didn't expect, that didn't expect them to like, that didn't expect them to want? What was new for you from user experience? From user experience, uh, it's uh, it's a mix of things. So honestly, when you build something, and again, I was building to my experience. So this is how I view the world. So people started. So for this idea of automation of certain steps that test travels, that's not my idea, honestly. That what's what people told me, and the whole idea of business process that we build our business currently, that that that's that's different from task management because for, in order to run a business, that process, came from them. You have, Yeah, that came from them. It's just the larger of those. They just came back to us and say, hey, Max, we need something even more structured than just the workflow in a task and just a bunch of people. We need a, some form. Let's say it's a expense management form. Like there, there are certain fields, like yeah, there's a CRM form. There's, there's a candidate applicant tracking form. There's, mm. you know, last name, surname, resume and stuff. And there's there, there's also a workflow. There are certain steps that this applicant goes once he, he's in or she's in the funnel on the system. But you still need a form. And this is this is also was brought by by the first uh, early feedback. You know what? That makes a lot of sense. I wouldn't have thought of it either, but it makes a lot of sense. A lot of what goes into a project management software, a lot of what goes into our CRMs is a form. And what many of us do is we go and we use form software, then we use Zapier to connect it because we think of forms as being separate from project management, separate from CRM, right? And so you have separate a form. Separate from chess. Separate from what? Chats separate from, from chat, right? You them. think of it as completely different, and so you accept that you need a form app and you need a project management CRM chat app, and then Zapier connects the two. But I would understand why they would not want that for everything that you need a form. You don't want to have to go and create a form in one place, Zapier connection in another, and then have it go into it. So that came from them. You start building it right away. 
Uh, yeah, honestly, once we heard about it, yeah, that was. I, I can't remember details like the you know right. month to month planning, but, but honestly, you accepted yeah. So, it. Yeah, I accepted it. And again, the 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 funny part, the funny part about it is that task manager that I initial started Pyrus on, we now give for free, unlimited. Like so, that's actually people. that's really interesting too. You were investing your own money in SaaS. The plan I imagine was initially to start charging for it, right? It's business yeah, software. Businesses are willing to pay. Tell me what you noticed in the world that made you say we we have to suck it up and not charge. Well, we we continue to charge. It's just our free plan has changed, and now we give to the world more free than we used to give uh, uh, earlier in the days. Mm-hmm. Uh, thing is, is just test. Ma- we started charging for test management. The business grew. It became profitable. It's okay. But uh, we realized that task management is so basic. There's so much competition out there that we're not going to get a lot of money on that. That was our initial understanding. So we just gave it away for free. So essentially, our task management version currently is our free marketing tool. We give it out for people for free, and we even give out the business process management for free up to 100 forms. So we can build a form, we can build a workflow, we can build those integrations and run it unless you hit the wall with 100 forms, which is pretty enough yeah. for you to understand if this product really works for you. And so was that a hard decision for you to come to, to say, we're not going to charge for this? No, because we actually decided it about a year ago when COVID hit, it was part of our response to COVID. So we kind of felt that people, businesses are moving online mm. and uh, we thought to ourselves that that's, we, honestly, we're running an experiment. So we gave it away for free for three months and we experienced double the number of registrations, just double the number of signups. And this is, I thought, my, to myself, I thought, hey, maybe we should just continue. And then we made it unlimited for free. By the way, why is it called Pyrus? And then what's the pair next to Pyrus for? Oh, <laughs> well, I tell you, um, well, it's um, uh, it's initially called papyrus. So papyrus is a kind of electronic papyrus. So thing that you, it's not paper. So thing that you, papyrus is not paper. Thing you, you put all your tasks into and they, they are just there. So you don't forget them. But papyrus.com was pretty expensive. So we ended up cutting two first letters and here we are. And then the pair, why not paper next uh, to well, Pyrus? Okay, okay, I'll tell you. Thing is that, um, uh, you know what? I myself, all, in all my B2B software SaaS companies like Ico or Pyrus, um, I feel that businesses, they are agile at the need to change fast. My customers are businesses. Thing is that uh, uh, what brings them, what holds them from moving even faster is a slow speed of automation. I tell you, a slow speed of automation brought by developers, by engineers that need to run, you know, to, to make features. And the cycle of change requests, new feature testing and stuff is just long. I mean, it's great. 20, if we go 20, back 20 years, the automation is there. Wow, we have computers. Wow, we have internet. But nowadays, we just need to move faster. So what we are up to, what I'm seriously up to is for platforms, and Pyrus is an example of such a platform, for platforms that allow non-developers non-developers to automate themselves. And a great example of such a platform, imagine spreadsheets, right? Uh, This is by far the most popular, maybe after email, it's number two, email is number one, but spreadsheets is number two, the most popular business app in the world because it allows you exactly that, non-developer to run complex model. Even if you just run a formula, simple formula spreadsheet, you're actually automating, you're running a program for that. But the genius 
of the, in the spreadsheets is that you can you don't realize that you program, and oh, yeah. uh, we're and we are sort of we consider ourselves sort of Excel for workflow. So this is the uh, this is the the tool that you don't need developers to automate yourselves. You just for the workflows. Excel is great for model building, and we're great for the workflows. As for the pair, well, you know, I mean, for B two C for consumers, there's a great company that's that's number one by far that gives an experience, <laughs> and it's Apple, right? So uh-huh. we couldn't take Apple, so we take Pear. So we should we aim to be the same type of company, but for the businesses. Ah, uh, and the name Pyrus kind of sounds like Pear, and so you you're you're trying to evoke that quality and trying to create that. <laughs> Got it. Um, all right. Beyond your initial first users, your first friends, it was time for you to start marketing this business. Where did you market first? What brought you the most customers in the early days? Well, it was AdWords. You know, it was a little bit of PR, a little bit of AdWords. And uh, that was, there's not something really di- different from other people. What type of PR? Some money and uh, was just an articles about us and in, in several. Uh, so I had some computer contributors write about us and do certain to crunch wrote about us, about us uh, in the early days. So, some these types of things but again, this is just it's mm-hmm. yeah it's yeah yeah we yes and, uh, this is, and yeah and this is uh the pr is it gives you again if your product sucks no pr can help you <laughs> so at first you need to build a certain product then when you hit this pr and those people come then you have something so they really value it and stick so that, that's how it is. So we, we, we built a product for, for several years before that just to make it really polished. And then we had this, this initial PR campaigns and ad campaigns. You know what I saw for TechCrunch? Um, when Android Wear was becoming a thing, you guys created an, uh, an Android watch app. Am I right? Oh, yeah. It was it was the fun part. We, I went to the Google I.O. conference and I, hey, this I.O., this Android Wear is going to be big. It's like Google was pushing it like heavily you know what they distributed six thousand android watches to the visitors of the conquerors for free just to get them running so i i i, I put my hands on one of the devices and I thought to myself what can we do about it i i called my developer uh, back overseas and uh he built something in three days honestly that was working and we had this like pitch to the reporter hey god we have something for the android where it's going to become hot so here we are and so I imagine that that was great for PR, not great. Like there weren't a lot of users checking their tasks on their watches. There was not many watches back then. So even- <laughs> there still aren't a lot of people doing it. Exactly, exactly. But that's part of your like, you know, innovative innovation profit. You really don't know how far the new technology goes, but you try to ride waves. And there was obviously the wave because the Google was pushing hard. And one thing about it, it was ahead of Apple Watch. So this is one of the one of the rare cases when these guys were like ahead of the Apple and uh, uh, Apple then came with their Apple Watch. But you're right that currently not so many people use watches. No, I, I'm one of the Smart few people watches. who does. I love it because it lets me just get rid of my phone. If there's a text message, it's urgent. If there's a, something else, I could see it on my watch. But for the most part, I don't get sucked into into work that I don't need to unintentionally. What, where if I have my phone with me, I'll find myself just going browsing. And then from there, I'll hit some article. And then from there, I'll go to somewhere else. And before I know it, 20 minutes are gone. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite piece of tech? For me, it's... I, uh, I do love my Apple Watch a lot. 
What's yours? Oh, uh, well, um, but I would, I would be, I would say iPhone, uh, because I tell you why. I tell you why because you know the story that uh, Jobs quit Apple and uh, founded Next Step Corporation in the '90s. I actually was in New York back then with my friend, and he showed me this Next computer. I was like, "New personal computer? I mean, why?" But then after years, if you if you're an iOS coder, iOS developer, and now you develop apps 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 for the iPhone, then your classes in, in you know in in the south in, in the iOS are starting with the prefix NS, two letters NS. And nobody cares what's that, but that's next step. And that's what I love about this technology. So this this technology you have in your iPhone started 25, 30 years ago as a very bored thing, as an operating system for a new computer that basically nobody yeah. wanted. And the company almost went bankrupt. Apple bought them, but for this technology. And this is what I like about technology. Good, great tech is like wine. It ages well. Yeah. Oh, that, that makes so much sense. I hadn't thought of that. All right. I'll come back to the story, but first I've got to tell you about my second sponsor. It's a company called Rippling. Max, I'm going to tell you about a headache that I have, okay? There are a few headaches that I have, but one of the big ones is I was reluctant to hire people because it's such a headache to pay them and then to deal with all the mechanics and the legalities of doing it. Rippling said, we solve it. I was reluctant even to take on contractors sometimes because I, every year I have to 1099 them. I have to make sure that they get paid properly. If they're in a different country, I have to figure out ways to pay them in a different country, which should not be difficult, right? Canada is easy. UK, I have to sometimes use PayPal to pay people and then they want something else like we transfer. I don't want to do that. Here's the beauty of Rippling. Simple software to onboard people. So if I hire a contractor, hire employee, all I have to do is just add them to the system. They send out the agreements, make sure people sign them. Make sure they they ask them, how do you want to get paid? Check or wire. And if you want to get paid directly into your bank account, give us your bank account information. Not give Andrew the bank account information. Just put it directly into Rippling. Great. So now they onboard it easily. If they're international, if they move from city to city, it doesn't matter. Rippling handles it. And then if there's new software that they need access to, Rippling gives them access to our accounts on all these different places. They give them their email address, all onboarding handled, right? And then paycheck to paycheck, which for us is um, every two weeks or every month, depending on what your what your work is, Rippling just sends out the money. All I have to do is approve it. And I'm actually going to go in and see if I don't have to approve for certain people. I don't need to approve it. I just want them to get paid on a monthly basis. Super simple, super elegant, super easy. And if I ever have to let somebody go, makes it easy also to disconnect them so that they don't get paid in the future, but also so they don't get access to my software, right? Get away, get remove their email address and so on. Max, this is, this is the life, man. If anyone out there is listening to me, they need to go and check out Rippling. It makes paying your people so easy, but also managing all the HR and all the tech with your people easy. Max, I'll even send out a laptop to the people who I work with if I want them to, to get one. All right. And they'll manage it. Listen to me, people. You owe it to yourself to go check out Rippling. It'll be better than your current solution for paying your people, less expensive than your current solution for paying people. And all you have to do is just take a look at it. I'm not even telling you sign up. Go take a look. And I promise you, next time you get frustrated with your payroll situation, you're going to say, freaking A, that Andrew showed me Rippling. We got to switch to Rippling. And then you'll thank me. So here's how you go get a free demo from Rippling. All you have to do is go to rippling.com slash Mixergy, rippling.com slash Mixergy. And if you're ever curious, Max, about how they could do so much and charge so little, go look up how much venture capital these people took in. Huge. One of the biggest VC raises in, in the Valley. No wonder they're doing so well. Rippling. I'm wrong, check them. You what? 
I'm sold. I'm going to check them. They are. They're freaking fantastic. All right. Rippling.com slash Mixergy. Go get a free demo. And if you switch over, you'll thank me for it. All right. Um, Beyond uh, getting your first customers and improving in those early days, how do you now work with your customers to understand what they need so that you can improve Pyrus? What's the process that the team goes through? Oh, thank you very much for this one. I really like it. I really like to tell you about it. So the thing is that we hear very carefully about the feedback. The problem of every sales business, though, is that customers, if, if they have, if this business is sustainable and has, you know, loving customers, is that customers want you to make 100x you can with your engineering team and budget. Mm. So, again, and this 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 hundred doesn't change even if you raise a lot of VC money. It's still, you know, it's you still will be way behind what people want. What our position on this is that we hear carefully every customer and we try to understand the underlying business problem that they're having. And you know what? In 50 to 80% of cases, their underlying problem can be solved on our platform uh, without any coding on our side or without any features. It's our customer success department who works on that and who makes sure that customers really get... Sometimes it's even get uh, as simple as that, hey, we want this sophisticated electronic approval stuff and going out to thousands of people that are our, I don't know, I have this university and uh, some some researchers that I want to pay on a part-time basis. I want to get their approvals through email and stuff. And do we, want, do we need to integrate DocuSign or DocSign or something? And, and we came up with a solution where they just sent out email from Pyrus to this with a document they need to sign. And it just worked. And they replied by email, hey, because usually it's a, it starts a conversation. And again, if you have a conversation, if it's not just simple approve, there's the Pyrus is a conversational app. So we came up with this solution without any coding and they were happy with it. So do you um, then go and, and show the individual customer how they could do it? Or do you exactly, do some, you exactly, do? That's, yes, yes. It's our customer success goal. So it's not, we don't have, we don't call them technical support. We have technical support. We don't call them such. We call them customer success because their goal is to make customer successful now on our platform. But sometimes you have the feature request that you really need to do and you, you face it. But when we have it, we really understand the underlying cost, the underlying process, the underlying pain. And let's take those up in the backlog and have this process of budgeting or quarterly budgeting what, what we can assign resources to. But again, you have to, what I tell my people is that you can't do just what your customer want, you know, word by word, because this way you don't have a product. This way you have a custom development company, which I used to have. I sold it uh, for thousands of corporations. And so, once in a day, your code base becomes a mess. What we have instead, we stack those requests and we try to come up with a solution where some of the features that uh, solve not one, but multiple requests. And this is how we basically do product management. It's heavily customer driven. Do you have an example of something that, that multiple customers have asked for and instead of giving it to them, you decided to understand the root problem that they had and then address that instead of the, the features and the needs that they talked about? Uh, well, I tell you, well, again, uh, in every Pyrus process, is there is a form, right, that starts this process. And... Uh, have the problems are resolved by just saying, hey, why don't you, let's say, add a field to this form and make this field, let's say, certain add certain business rules. Let's say a certain per person gets involved on a third stage of a workflow when this field is filled out with such kind of value. So, you know, 50% of cases are resolved by that. 
but but such things. Or let's add some field and make it mandatory on a step two because we have a field. Let's say we have like I don't know applicant tracking form, and uh, when we have applicant, we just put it in the system uh, with our resumes and stuff. And on the second step, there is some kind of evaluation, and we have this you know basically analytics on this you know on this person like. I don't know, estimate um, estimate uh, level of proficiency in certain area and stuff like that. And you can't really tell by resume, but when you're screening a person by asking questions, you can just fill out. So this is the second stage. And then it goes to the third stage of the workflow. So those are, uh, it's, it's like daily. To me, it's like, it's even hard to come with a better example because to me, it's like, you know, it's it, usually just the response, build a form on Pyrus <laughs> is an answer. <laughs> To anything, I, I love stories of my customers. Uh -huh. yeah. I, I love stories of my customers. Once in a while, I, I talk to a customer, and uh, he told me, uh, "You know, when I really felt that pirates are picking up is picking up in our organization, when I passed through the hallway, that was before COVID. I passed through the hallway, and there were two people discussing, and and one of them was telling, F word." I'm moving this into Pyrus. Ah, like stop the conversation. <laughs> Let's go into Pyrus with the with what we're talking. No, no, about. no. That was that was, that was not just a conversation. That was a process. That was there was just a, some mess and some process, and something stuck. Not for the first uh, time. And the person was like, "F word. I build a form on Pyrus for that and make everybody use the form because I'm done. I mean, uh, no more. I get it. And, and so I know I could create a form right in the beginning that asks people for yeah. information. Are you saying that so I create a form, someone fills it out, it creates a set of, say, three tasks. Are you saying that the fourth task could be to create another form for the next person? It, it, it doesn't create three tasks. It's actually the form creates one task, just this assigned to this form. But these tasks have several steps. And right, uh, yeah, you it. can... Yeah, you can have subtasks if that's what, what you're asking, because sometimes you have a form, let's say, a form of certain agreement, like you track agreements to your customers, and the subform could be an invoice or, you know, accounts receivable form that could be subtasked to it. To a... Yeah. So for us, for example, one would be somebody fills out a form that says they want to do an interview with me, right? It goes yeah. into the first task would be for someone on the team to say, look into this and see if this is a good fit. And then if it is a good fit, they check off they, that it is, it goes to someone else and they, and we say, do some research on this person before we move them to a conversation with the producer to understand more. And then, right, it goes to the next step after that. That's what you're talking about, that the form triggers these several steps that the team needs to act on. All right, this makes exactly. sense. You know what? You know where I was I was surprised is you guys also go beyond it with like Facebook Messenger as uh, I talked to someone on your team. She said, if somebody sends a message on Facebook, we could then respond back to them because people are sending messages on Facebook. I said, you mean a Facebook message creates a task and the task is go back into Facebook Messenger and respond? She said, no, no, you could respond within the task. And then that goes back to Facebook. Am I right about that? Yeah. So, so somehow you guys have built an integration into Facebook. Is it Facebook Messenger or Facebook Pages? Do you know? No, no, it's Facebook Messenger. It's not only Facebook Messenger. We have this such an Instagram integration or it's popular Telegram app integration. That's basically part of our of the service desk solution on our platform because we got a pl pl platform and our pitch is 
you run many pro the whole value of Paris, you run many processes on one platform. So we have service desk solution. Uh, here we're competing with Zendesk, obviously. And uh, for the service desk solution, customers reach you out through many channels, be it email, phone, telegram, Instagram, Facebook Messenger. So building integrations with all those channels, and no matter how customer reaches you out, uh, then on Pyrus, in a unified interface, your Say your agent, your support agent responds, and this uh, response, this reply, goes into the regional platform of the customers. So for you, it's just omni-channel service desk uh, solution. So th this is this is what Facebook Messenger is part of. So it's not but, about task management, really. But it is. It does create a task of some kind, doesn't it? Yeah, it creates a task because it creates a task attached to a certain form, support request form, uh, where you can have information about your customer and actually, uh, it actually pulls up the information from uh, about your customer from the previous uh, inquiries. Mm. It makes you understand your customer because one day he phones you, second day he emails you, and third day um, his girlfriend, uh, you know, sends something you on the Telegram or oh, sorry, Facebook Messenger, and. Uh, you, you just kind of want to see that it's just one all the conversation yeah request. yeah yeah you, you want to understand that and that's what we do so you can um this one big thing about multi-channel support this is the omni-channel support how they call it these days so uh yeah it, it's a task and uh, uh there is an sla attached to it service level agreement so for example you have sla that your your team has to re re reply to facebook messenger requests let's say in two hours to email requests, let's say in three hours, that you put your SLA into the system and the system calculates SLA for you. So a week or a month into it, you can have the visibility how your team performs. Maybe you should change SLAs, maybe you mm -hmm. should add resources. If you don't like your SLAs and teams is working hard, then you should probably add more resources. So, yeah. All right, let me close out with this. Um, when do you work? Like, do you work? Are you somebody who works as soon as you get up? Are you someone who limits your time of day to just like to certain hours? Or are you working nonstop always with your phone by your side? Oh, well, honestly, the latter. So just always. Again, well, I mean, I try to keep up. Uh, so I, 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 I try to be with my kids and my family in the weekends. Uh, but other than that, it's really not a really eight to five. I mean, you can't find it. So 11 o'clock message comes in, you're handling it. Customer has an issue and you happen to be awake at 1130. You're responding right away. Yeah. Thing is that we have teams, we have customer success team. We have, uh, you know, a SRE team that runs our software data center. So I don't have personally to kind of wake up and respond. I recall luckily to at this point of Still. the development of our company, but yeah, sometimes like if something happens, I need to respond that I, I'm like, so what's more typical for you to respond to at night? If you're up at 11 o'clock, are you up at 11 o'clock? Uh, sometimes could be, but I'm, I try to be an early riser. So sometimes what time do you get up? PM, uh, well, six to seven, six to seven. Okay. So if you're up at night, what's the work that you're doing late at night? What takes up most of your time now? Uh, well, you kind of would like to make all the decisions in the morning because your head is more fresh there. In the evenings, you know, it turned out I'm also, I had another hobby. I'm actually a, a, a guitar player <laughs> a little bit. And uh, I figured out this thing from guitar thing, uh, from guitar lessons. Um, you try to uh, play certain composition and you try hard 
and the trader you hire in the evening, the more mistakes you make. And you're like to you saying to yourself, hey, I mean, man, it's 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 bad, it's, it's getting worse. So you 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 go to bed frustrated with that. But in the morning, if you take your guitar and start playing notes, for some reason, surprisingly, they play out so well, just because you kind of brain memory from the evening, it kind of you know processed it at night and you freshen up with the solution. So this is this I tend to apply in my business decisions too. In the evening, you can do some kind of research, you can read something that you postponed in the day, something that's not that important in the evening. And you don't the point is you don't make a decision. You don't make a, you know, you don't make a call. You don't if it's an important email, I can write it in the evening, but I will reread it in the morning. And sometimes you'll find some things that you really don't want to put out because there. Because you're letting so, your because you're letting your brain work on it in the middle yeah. of the night. God, you know what? I read a book about this. I don't know if you know the book, Psycho Cybernetics. And it does talk about this idea that you have to trust your brain. I forget how they put it in the book, but you have to trust your brain to think through without the effort of forcing it to think through. And when you do that at sleep, it really helps. So will you sometimes before going to sleep say, I have this problem, brain, mind, work on this. I trust you in the morning. I know that you'll help me get the answer. Is it like that kind of deliberate with you? It is. Yeah, sort of. I, I didn't read this book. Thank you so much. I'm going to probably order it. And you know what? About uh, the process you just mentioned during our interview that somebody fills out from your website, what I suggest is after this call, let's just pick up a time and I'm just going to onboard you to this process or one person on my team. For uh, the, to do the forms for us. For handling. For, yeah, just, just we're going to onboard you. Just, you know, it's uh, after this call. <laughs> How about, can we extend this to anyone else who's listening to or is it just for me? Oh, honestly, Is it awkward yes. that I say uh, everyone? <laughs> okay. Uh, yes, because, yeah, it's just, you know, uh, I should say uh, that this is special for you, but no, it's special to your audience and all your listeners because uh, if you just sign up for Pyrus and you just kind of uh, try to understand what's going on here and need some help, just shoot out a support request. Just, you know, shoot out this little question mark form and write what you need. And our customer success team will be able to help you to build out the process. Just that meaning they will build the there. process for us. If someone says, look, here's a process that I have. I want somebody to fill out this form. I want this next thing to happen. I want this next thing to happen after that. I don't know how to do it in Pyrus. I'm kind of getting lost. Your customer success team will do it for them. Exactly. Even more than that, because rarely people come up with such a um, uh, such a request. Like I have a form, I, I want a certain steps. That we this is our response. This is our terminology. Like a form and steps. Uh, it's more like Usually I have this problem. Up, How do I organize yeah, it's it? Like, it's more. Like, it's more like I have this mass. How can I organize this in Paris? And then and your team will will do the thing for them. Will build go into their account and then do it. If they allow us to, yeah, usually what we offer is they, hey, this is the email address. Please add one of our customer support agents, one of our customer success agents to your account. That's their call if they want us to be able to access their account. And yeah, and then one of us helps them to get on board. You know, there's only and one company I ever did that with. It was ClickFunnels. The only company that ever said, instead of here, go figure it out. They said, do it for us. Can we, we'll do it for you. Can we go in? It was freaking heaven. I just said, I don't know how to do this thing. What do I do? And they said, uh, can we log into your account? I said, sure. The next day, or maybe it was like 36 hours later, I don't remember exactly how much, they freaking did it for me. It was amazing that they would do that. I just don't know how they could put that much effort into it. I don't know how you can. You guys are charging even less. Your prices are. Uh, are... Yeah. Uh, luckily, currently, we have prices pretty low. We're gonna, we sometimes, it's not the pricing that we had initially. We sometimes raise our prices. 
the thing is that we calculated our math, you know. We know that if we spend a couple of hours on you and help you get on board, then the lifetime value of you will be much more than the effort we put into you, into getting you on board. So it's just, just business. It works for us. That's why we do it. All right. Thank you so much for doing this. The website for anyone who wants to go try it is pyrus.com. That's P-Y-R-U-S.com. Max, I'm going to continue to follow you, but I don't think I'm actually going to find anything because from what I hear, there's there's like people who know you know know what's up, but you're not a, you're not online much. I couldn't find like Instagram photos of you hanging out, no photos of your flight. Am I right? Uh, um, yeah, a little bit of, uh, I spend my time building product. I'm not much of a social media guy. Yeah. But I got Twitter and Nalski. You can just follow my Twitter and Nalski and, uh, uh, there I am. All right. And hopefully once this whole COVID thing is over, we'll be able to get in a plane together or have uh, scotch. Do you drink scotch? I'd love to get you on the plane and I drink scotch. No, not together, but yes, I get you. All right. <laughs> I want to thank the two sponsors who made this interview happen. The first is HostGator. Go to HostGator.com slash Mixergy. The second, if you have a team of people that you're hiring or that you're that you're managing right now, whether they're contractors, full-time employees, whether they in, are in your city or around the world, I want you to go check out Rippling. Go to Rippling.com slash Mixergy. And Max won't give you his email address because he's too busy building, but I'll give you my email address. And if you want to sign up for Pyrus or something, uh, hit me up. Or if you have any issues with HostGator or want intro to someone at Rippling, I'm always available to you guys. If you're listening to me, my one and only email address, it all goes in the same inbox. It's andrew at mixergy.com. And I'd love it if you just said hi to me, gave me feedback on this intro, the interview, or just ask for an intro to, to the, the people who I've talked about today. Thanks so much, Max. Thank you very much, Andrew. Thanks for having me. Bye. Bye, everyone.